This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to Buckets. My guest today is a sideline reporter for the Clippers and for TNT in general during the playoffs. Please welcome to the show, Jamie Maggio. You're getting bucket buckets. Hey. <laughs> that was it. That was the whole theme song. I was hoping for um, like applause. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, people will be applauding while okay. they listen to All it, right. like while they're driving or doing the dishes or at the gym. <laughs> so this isn't like the live studio thing okay. that you're used right. to. Uh, I usually start by just one, introducing the guest, and then two, getting some sort of warm-up going just so we can like put our heads in the basketball mindset. I like it. What do you got? So today, this is a hard one. I usually I usually try to get something that's pretty easy, but this one I couldn't even research. I had to ask my friends who are fans. Uh, you grew up as a Knicks fan. Mm-hmm. You work for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking. <laughs> this is what I want, and I'll help you out because I didn't even know that many, but my buddies helped me out. I'm looking for players that have played for the Knicks. Oh, God. And the Clippers. Okay. Can you name anybody <laughs> that's played for the Knicks and the Clippers? Oh, and not just man. you who grew up as a Knicks fan and works for the Clippers. I'm talking about actual NBA a- actual basketball NBA players. Actual NBA players? Yeah, and we're talking about old school players who like played in the 90s and then as well as some new ones, as well as uh, some who are currently on the Clippers. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I'm putting you on the spot. But the, the list of names is great. So once we go through... There's a whole great. list? Oh, there's a whole list. There's a whole list? Here's the, here's the biggest thing that I can give you. One of them is the coach of the Clippers. Oh, Doc. That. So Doc played for the Clippers in the early 90s and then played for the Knicks uh-huh. as well. So that was a good one. Um, Danilo Gallinari played for the Knicks and was traded as part of the, as part of the how, Mellow trade. Well, how long was he in New York? Oh, very little. Some like, of these people just had like, you know how the Knicks do. They, they like to bring people in and then set, ship them on out. <laughs> uh, listen to this list of players, just, just for memory lane's sake. Um, Quentin Richardson, obviously. We just had Gallinari. Orlando. Oh, really? Yeah. All right, I want to hear about Q Rich. Uh, Baron Davis. Another media man Baron right now. Baron played for the Knicks. Baron played just like these people are just for like, like came a hot and went. minute. Yes, the cup of coffee, as we say. Um, you are also already going to an era that was a little dead. Dare I say, unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of unwatchable level Knicks on this list. Uh, Tim Thomas played for the Knicks in the Clippers. Uh, Doug Christie, Sasha Vujicic, Pablo Prigioni, Kenyon Martin, Chauncey Billups even did it. A lot of your. Um, media cohorts played for both. Um, Nate Robinson played for the Clippers and the Knicks. That I knew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Charles Smith back in the day. Jamal Crawford, who seemed to play for every team. Uh, My buddy said Marty Collins, which I don't even, I I couldn't even remember the name. Glenn Rice. Zebo played for both. These are a real poo-poo platter of Knicks and Clippers. This is a fun little way to get it going. (laughs) Yeah, right now we're in the mindset. Because it's it's election day, but like I want to put the politics to the side for a little bit and just focus on basketball. This is a good way to get into it for me. Um, Kiki Vandeway, did I say? No, you did not say Kiki. That's a great one. That's a good one. Uh, Kiki, who I bet thinks about that Drake song a lot more than most people do. Game art, Marcus Camby, Roni Turioff, Steve Novak. And Eddie House, which I wouldn't thought of. So those are just a smattering of people that have been in your lives. How long did it Knicks. take you to compile this list? So I have I came up with about six of them, and then I texted four friends who are Knicks fans, and they were just like, boom, 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 help me, helping me out. And one of them, Chris Wendelkin, a buddy of mine who has like an encyclopedic knowledge of this stuff, just kept sending me words like, oh, I just thought of Glenn Rice. Oh, I just thought of Pablo Prigioni. Oh, I just thought of Zebo. Um, so he helped me out a lot too. So shout out to them. Shout out to them, and I'm already 
I'm minus five, to, <laughs> right out the gate. <laughs> that was the hardest one that I could have started with. Uh, who was your favorite Knicks player growing up when you were a Knicks fan? I loved Patrick Ewing. That guy. And um, Anthony Mason. Are you from New York? Is that I'm why? I'm from Long Island. Oh, I but see. But I moved to California for high school, so I've been in Southern California since high school. So at this point, I feel like I'm more Californian than New York, but I've maintained my allegiances to the New York sports teams. But yeah, you, you sort of just, you wherever you grow up is where you Right, when you're allegiant. first introduced and have that passion, right? That's right. Is yeah. that the biggest, is that the time in your life where you were a biggest fan of basketball? Are you a big fan now that you work in it or now that you see how the sausage gets made? It's not as glamorous as you would How think. the sausage gets made. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, now I just, it's different. It's different when you are working around you know, the the business side of things and when you get to know people on a more personal level. Um, so it does kind of change your, your fandom per yeah. se. Yeah. So what is, what is your official job title? Because I've spoken to like fans and I've spoken to some people in the media, but I've never spoken to an official legit sideline I'm a reporter. utility player. So you're, you're freelance, right? I'm a freelancer right now. Yeah. So I'm working at this time, I'm working with Fox Sports West uh-huh. on the Clippers game broadcasts, which is a blast. Every at, Clipper game? Um, I'm doing the first half of the season. Wow. They, they have another reporter who's been there for, I think she's been there seven years, but she does a lot of NFL. So I Got take over her, her load cool. during the NFL season. Cool. Um, yeah. The, you mentioned the TNT stuff off the top. Yeah. I work locally for CBS and KCAL. Um, with with the legendary Jim Hill. Do you know Jim Hill? Yeah, of course. I grew up in L.A. Yeah, so Jim Hill used to do. come on after every football game. He still does. Yep. He, it seems like he hasn't aged in 31 <laughs> I, years. I know. <laughs> uh, he hasn't. I need to know like, where he's found that fountain of youth. How does that work where you're like, you could work for TNT and CBS and Fox Sports West? Like, there's no contracts where it's like, you have not, to work with us and not a competitor? Not, when you're not, when you don't have an exclusive contract, You they can't, they can't tell you that you can't work for other places. Right. So when I'm freelancing, I'm basically working part-time at, at like, like five different places. So you have two and a half jobs instead of... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Got and, it. and zero free time. <laughs> uh, how does, so how does sideline reporting work? Let's say I wanted to become a sideline reporter. What's the most traditional path? Or is there no traditional path? I don't know. I don't think there is a traditional path. I think that... I guess let's talk about your path specifically. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's there's only so many jobs to go around. That's right. right. There's only so many sidelines. There's only to so report on. That's exactly right. And then you have uh, you know radio, then you have TV, and now I've seen in the last couple of years this is interesting um, virtual reality really taking off. So a some VR of my, reporter? Yes. Can I be a VR sideline reporter? You could. You can do anything you put your heart to. I'm worried that my voice doesn't translate You have to, a great voice. I it's have, your I, face I'm worried about. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm a podcaster. <laughs> but I'm worried that like my t- my kind of voice is more like the soothing undertone. Like oh, when it's a loud like arena. Late night you radio could, kind yeah, of you, guy. You can't really hear. When, we're at, when I'm at a dinner party, nobody can hear my voice. I don't know what it is, the science behind it. that's what you have a microphone for. Yeah, but then some people have like the... The booming. They put it on. They're like, whoa, like there's 30 people and I only hear that person. Who really talks like that, though? It seems like a lot of the reporters have great voices. Are you using a voice when you do the reporting? No, I think that's strange. They teach that in college, don't they? Like, did you take like broadcasting in college? I I was a communications major and I did take some voice lessons while I worked at Fox Sports in production. They teach you how to talk? 
They teach you how to talk. Oh, it's really weird stuff. So, like, what, what, like, the cadence of it? It's like, blah, 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 blah. I talked to blah, blah, blah. There is something about that. And you know what's weird? That's, it is kind of a gift. Like, not everybody knows how to do that. Yeah. And you can identify when someone is just starting out and they're, they don't really have control over their voice. But the voice lessons that I took were more about speaking from your, stomach rather than your throat. So there is like an, an anatomy lesson a little to bit. it. Yeah. And also, you know, athletes. Speaking from your stomach. Speaking from your stomach. So the voice <laughs> that you use on TV is the voice that I'm listening That's, to right now. Yeah. I don't know how to, I think it's kind of weird the when affectation. people adjust and they, they put on a show. I yeah. think you just have to be yourself. But, but you know, guys like Kevin Har- Harlan and, um, you know. Right. Does he talk like that? Like when you like, when yeah, you're at, he at just lunch with him, he's like, can I get a sandwich? <laughs> yeah. With no regard for potato salad. Is he like that on when he's just ordering food or by himself? Uh, yeah, he is. Uh, it's he... just this really rich, like deep layered voice. Yeah, see, that's what I don't have. I think you do. He's he's a tiramisu and I'm a, th- a thin crust pizza. I am one layer. I am a matzah. Some people I'm like a saltine man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell me about your path. You go to broadcast school. So between that... Sorry, you go to school and you learn communications or you major in communications. Between that and becoming a sideline reporter, what's in between? How does one do this? Oh, man, I don't know. It's a lot of, like, being, I think, in the right place. And it's a a combination of what? I was hoping you wouldn't say luck because now I have to, like, you know, cross my fingers rather than, like, follow your exact guidance. But it's true. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of kids ask me that. A lot of college students will say, you know, what, what's the path that you took? And it's it's a hard business to get into. I think you have to work hard. Uh-huh. I, I did not do internships when I was in college. I wish that I had. Where'd you go to college? UC Santa Barbara. UCSB. Yeah, gauchos. gauchos. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> not quite the um, athletic department program that USC has. It's more of a skateboarding environment. And and surfing. It's just like the most chill environment to go to school. It is super chill. It's just like a resort that happens to be a school. I didn't realize it when I lived there, but yes, I lived on the beach for four years and went to college and it was amazing. So you graduate and you're like, do I want to work in sports? Or you sort of stumbled into that? Um, I knew that I wanted to work in sports, I didn't know how to work in sports. And, you know, my dad was like, just get a job with health benefits. So. <laughs> sounds like a dad. <laughs> totally. That sounds like me talking to myself. <laughs> so um, I ended up running into this couple at a wedding, oddly enough, in San Diego. And they worked, one of them was a news reporter in Green Bay. And her boyfriend was a news editor at Fox Sports. Yeah, that's a thing. It's like you start in a small market and move up. start in a small market move up. But I started in the production ranks. That's much better. I was an operations assistant at Fox Sports in in Century City. Okay. So So your first job. Big company, but a small job. That's the other way to do it. Instead of getting a big job at UW Green Bay, you get a smaller job, but you're in LA. That's That's what I that sounds much more comfortable at the very least. But took longer. Oh, okay. I was there for eight years. As a production? Uh, production. Uh, first I was an operations assistant. Then I was a talent booker. Remember the show Best Damn Sports Show? Hell yes. I worked and on that show. And then after that, just Best Damn? It, well, it was always Best Damn, <laughs> but that's what the cool kids called it. We First it was BDSSP. Yeah. And then it was just Best Damn. John Sally, right? Yes. So uh, that show, I feel like, became like, it like turned the buzzfeedification of the internet like 
took over that show too. Like at a certain point, it was just like, fuck it, we're doing top 50 touchdowns. And like, that's what Best Damn became, which is just like lists and You quick know hits. why? Because it was cheap to produce those. That's why, that's the answer to everything. Yes. That's why everyone does anything. <laughs> okay, so you worked at Best Damn as what? Talent, uh, talent booker and then production manager. And then talent when the booker. show got let go, you know, it was going off the air, I lost my job. Okay. So at that point, I'd already had an agent. Oh, did I, Rob Dibble used to work on the show, and yeah. his agent, um, he introduced me to his agent, who took me on with, uh, you know, very little experience. But we put together a reel, and I would do work for free, and on the weekends, and in my spare time, and then... and then. So it was a passion of yours to be in front of the camera, even when you're working behind it? Yeah. And did that, like, get in the way or bump people? Because a lot of people, a lot of times people are like, just you know, stick with what you're doing here. Don't try to like get in front of a camera. I know it's more glamorous, but we need people to like just book talent. Totally. I think if you approach your job with passion, you know, and integrity, then they'll allow you to dream bigger. Cool. Right. But you have to, you have to do the job that you have in that moment. Yeah. So you were good at your job, but in addition to that, you had passions beyond that. Right. And like I said, I did it in my free time. I did it for free. What does free time or for free look like when it's reporting? Um, I just, I, so fortunately the people at Best Damn were really good to me and they let me do something called the Best Damn Bonus, which was interviews with the guests that were on the show, but we did it in the green room and it aired on the website. Oh yeah. Digital bonus content. Yes, the yes. year is 2008 <laughs> and everyone wants digital bonus. So I did experience. a lot of dot com only stuff. I was right there with did you. Did you? What'd you do? Well, my, my life started in dot com bonus content. That's all I did. But then when I I was like on an MTV pranks type show and they're like, all right, now let's do three more, but they just live on the website and they're commercials and it's content and it throws to the TV show. And then at a certain point, everyone's like, wait a minute, the digital content is better than the TV content. Why are we spending so much money on the TV content? Mm. And here we are today. Uh, so you are trying to hustle and scrape and do free before you were freelance, you were literally doing it for free. Yeah. I mean, just to get the experience and to put something on tape yeah, um, that I could send out and try and get a job. Okay, so Best Damn ends up swallowing itself. It goes away. Mm -hmm. There's no... What's the new... What's the current Best Damn sports show period? Now that Best Damn sports show period isn't on the there, on I think, TV. There, I think it's everywhere. Okay. Don't you? <laughs> yeah, now everything is Best Damn. Yeah, I mean, everybody tries to like push the envelope. They mm -hmm. have all these like wacky... I mean, stuff like that, the whole you know debate television was already around, but Best Damn, I think, just had the... Mix of personalities, entertainment, sports. Yeah. We literally could do anything on that show, by the way. And it was a blast. It aired a lot, right? Like it was on like two, three, four hours a day, it seemed. Yeah. It I was... think it was, when we first started, I think it was a three hour show daily, Monday through Friday. And Holy then by shit, the end, it was like a three an hour. hour TV show. Yeah. I feel like there's an oral history there for the best damn sports Should show be. period. That would be good. Um, so it it folds, and now what are you doing? What year? What year is this? This was two thousand eight. Okay. And then, um, yeah. So then I was out of work for eleven months, which was super scary. Not a full year. Eleven months, not a full year. <laughs> Gotta make that clear. <laughs> it was eleven months. It's like you're counting a, a newborn's age. It, well, it was it was awful, and it's not like I had like all this money saved up. You right. know, it was like it was definitely a scary time, and I uh, I started working on the uh, CBS lot in Studio City. 
Are you like, should I have to go all the way back down to zero now? Well, or? let me tell you, my friend, this is kind of crazy. My friend's dad was like a studio executive over there. And he's like, That's listen, awesome. you've, you've been out of work for a while. Let's get you back. It's been 11 but months. It's been 11 long months, <laughs> but it's not, it's a minimum wage job. And it's not glamorous, but at least you're, you'll be back in, in this, you know, working. Yeah. I answered the phones about clogged toilets and cockroaches on the stage and oh I would have to God. write up a work ticket. This is actually crazy that we're going to get into this. I'd have to write up a work ticket and get it to the appropriate department. And people would come all the time and be like, oh, are you uh, are you still in high school? I'm oh like, my no, God. I have a college degree of eight years of working in, in national TV, you know, production. Yeah. But it was just, you know, I, I took what I could get, right? So then That's great. That's my a good agent calls right one there. day and says... Philadelphia 76ers will bring you in for an audition, but you got to get out to Philly like next week. And, and I'm you're like, like uh, I can't. I, I'm writing a ticket that says clogged <laughs> toilet. If I don't give this to someone, I'm afraid it won't. What's going to happen? There'll be shit everywhere. <laughs> Tell the Sixers I can make it uh, next week after this toilet is. But so I go I go to Philly. I'm going to glaze over this part for a second. Okay. I work there for the season. At end of the season. Well, you like, got the job. I got the job. Holy shit. What was the job? Sideline reporter. Straight up sideline reporter. For the 76ers. It was awesome. And uh, at the same time, I had started doing NFL on Fox, um, sideline reporting. But went there, did six years, I mean, six months with the Sixers, one season. What year was that? What season was that? 2009, 2010. The year AI came back. Double the AI. So it was Iguodala and Iverson. Yes. There's really one AI. Yeah, in my heart. (laughs) (laughs) So it was Iverson, Iguodala. Who else was there? Elton Brand was there. Drew Holiday (gasps) was a a rookie. Drew Holiday, rookie season. Lou Williams. Lou Will, the original bucket. Mm -hmm. That's a great team. They, I think they made No, the they were actually awful. Really? Nice guys, though. Yeah, great guys. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing sideline reporting. Oh, Sam D'Alembert was there, too. Wow. Yeah, sideline reporter for the Sixers. But this is my point, because okay. it's going to come full circle. Yeah. End of the season, they say, we'd like to have you back next year. But in the meantime, we already have our Phillies and Eagles coverage taken care of, so we don't know what we'll have for you to do in the off season. So I roll the dice. I move back to L.A. and try and figure it out here. Uh-huh. Within a week, I get a job as a sports anchor and reporter for CBS and KCAL 9 on the CBS Radford lot in Studio City, where six months prior I was answering phones about clogged toilets and cockroaches on the stage. That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? So you're from six months you're reporting about not even fixing the cockroach problem, just writing it down. I'm for just writing the else. ticket. I I am not good with cockroaches. You were below. And then six months after that, you are the one who's looking out for cockroaches and you're like, somebody call someone Listen, to someone write it please down. Please get out. Where's the raid? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So what was the KCAL CBS job? It was uh, anchoring and reporting. So like post-game show, pre-game show, random. We, at that time, actually, KCAL had broad, was broadcasting some of the Dodger games, some of the Laker games. So Man. we did do pre- and post-game shows. I, I did a, a, a show with Eric Karros. Oh, I remember And Eric James Karros. Worthy. I grew up with those guys. So when I grew up watching Laker games... Uh, it was Prime Ticket for the home games and mm-hmm. KCAL for the away games. That's right, yeah. Prime Ticket became Prime Sports, became Fox Sports West. Right. Uh, and then so KCAL, I, this was before Spectrum Sportsnet existed and owned everything. KCAL was probably still doing the away games. So it was you doing the post-pre something or other pre, for, pre the and aw- post. for the away games. And then James Worthy was there as well. Yes. And these are the games that like started at 4 p.m. I come home from like ninth grade and there's already like a Laker at Detroit game on TV for whatever reason. So is that what you would do? You'd come home from school, turn on the game? Yeah, and some of them were even tape delayed. Do you remember that? I guess you weren't a Laker fan growing up, so 
you shouldn't remember it. But I remember some games sort of during the beginning of the internet. I haven't even thought about this in so long. The game would start at four, but they would show it starting at five or five thirty because they they Waiting wanted the for ratings. The TV audience. That's right. Yeah. And then I'm like. I hope nobody spoils it for me. Like if you go to Sports Center and the crawl at like 58 past the hour at <laughs> the Laker final, you're like, shit. That, and this wasn't even that long ago. There that, was no way that crazy. would fly. No yeah. way it would fly now. Tape delayed, regular season Laker away games. All right, that's cool. So I might have seen you and James Worthy gabbing about the Lakers. Yeah. And what year was that? That was, I think it was 2011. Okay. 2012. So, so that's still Kobe Powish. Like they're mm-hmm. still, they're still the great... Uh, at the end of their championship run team. Mm-hmm. Very popular team ratings are probably still high. But yes, there were good ratings. I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> it was all Eric Caros for some reason. Uh, so you are doing that. And then what happens? How does how does that parlay into where you are currently? Oh, um, well, yeah, because I'm back there now. Yeah. So I left there. I went to work with Fox West. For yeah. a while, I'm doing Angels and Clippers. Are you even a baseball so, fan, or you can just talk yeah. about? No, I like baseball. Okay, I like sports. Yeah, just in general. It's actually quite insulting when people say like, "Oh, so you do you actually really like sports?" Yeah, like I, I could not have this job if I didn't like sports. Yeah, or then they'll say you have a brother. That oh, likes sports. I see. Like, like, no, you... actually, my brother doesn't like sports, <laughs> which is really difficult. Prick. <laughs> Thanks for asking. But yeah, like, how much of it? How much of what you're doing at your job is you as a fan, and how much of it is like the professional, um, just that's, the love of reporting and journalism in general? That's a really great question. I think that there are people that want to get into this business because they think it's glamorous or whatnot. They didn't grow up watching sports so a they don't have a a knowledge of the history like they can't tell you who played for the clippers and the knicks (laughs) (laughs) so you're saying i I, i've got a chance as long as i can ask my friends four hours before you get here but Uh, they also probably don't have a great understanding of the game and the rules of the game yeah you know there are definitely people that want to get into the business because they think you make a lot of money or they they think it's glamorous to be on tv but um i don't think that you can really get that far Okay, so you n- fast forward a few years after that, you're now working freelance, and one of the first teams that hire you is the LA Clippers. When did the Clippers ring your bell, call you up, tell your agent you're hired? Last season. So this is my second season working with them. Okay, uh, what do you know about the Clippers when you get that call? Are you like, you know, uh, vaguely aware of who they are? Very familiar because you no, you were I'm pretty around familiar. LA. Yeah, because when I actually a few of the seasons of doing playoffs for TNT, they had me on the Clippers first round series. Oh, okay. So, so you've yeah. worked some of their games before. You have some rapport with the team yeah. and the players. Yeah. And then as a sideline reporter for the LA Clippers now, mm-hmm. what, how would you describe that job? Is it simply just showing up on game day and coming up with some anecdotes to tell out of timeouts or what's preparation like to be a sideline reporter? It's tons and tons of reading. I mean, I go to shoot around the day of a game. I go to practice on non-game days, and you build relationships and you look at storylines that are sort of developing. Um, you know, the Clippers recently benched Marcin Gortat and started Boban Marjanovic uh, at the center position, breaking Gortat's streak. Uh, Bobby's not really a, a regular starter in the league. He just, I think he has seven career starts 
um, total. So wow. that, that you know, that's kind of a storyline. Then you kind of you you talk to Doc Rivers about it and his decision that goes into it, and then those become storylines that you might want to get into during a game. So during it's, the broadcast, right? Exactly. So what's the, what's a day to day like, or does it change depending on the if there's a game that day? Like, um, the Clippers don't play today, right? The Clippers don't. They played last night. They won. Yes. I got an email last night that there was no practice today. Okay. Yay. Congratulations. Which, I got to tell you, Doc Rivers is one of the best at that. He canceling practice if they win. Not It's, it's not always if they win. It's, it's also like depending on the schedule because we fly to Portland tomorrow. You fly with the team. I fly with the team. Awesome. Yeah. And then we play uh, Portland on Thursday night. So we'll probably have practice uh, in Portland. Okay. So let's say it's the day of a game. Okay. Uh, you wake up what time? I'm getting personal now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real personal. <laughs> I want to get down. I, but, <laughs> Amir, I don't sleep. Do you sleep? I'm a pretty good sleeper. Oh, my God. Yeah. I am not a good sleeper. I I'm can up. fall asleep very quickly, very easily. Lights on, Damn TV you. on, whatever. Damn you. Yeah. These are all the things you're not supposed to do when you sleep, by the way. The TV, the lights, all I that. Know, and it doesn't affect me. It doesn't phase me. My brain, I think I'm, I think I'm so ignorant that I'm just living in a bliss bubble where like people are like, aren't you anxious? Aren't you worried? Aren't you concerned? I'm like, I don't care about any of that. I'm out <laughs> like a light at 1130. I'm up at 7, 8 a.m. feeling fully well rested. Oh. So, so take me through what it's, what it's like I wake up at 6 a.m. 6 a.m. I scroll through the news uh, and see if, you know, make sure like nothing catastrophic is happening in the world. That's right. Which, you know, that's like every other day of the week. <laughs> yeah. um, 50% success rate right off the bat. I go to a sweat and sculpt yoga class. That's awesome. You got to exercise first thing in the morning. It is endorphins. It is like the best sweat. Even if I have to drag my ass out of bed and drive there. Yeah. Once I'm done, it's like the best feeling in the world. Yeah, because your day is pretty much done as far as physiological physiological needs are concerned. I think now so. it's just like you can it's eat great. and work. Eat, work, you feel good. You you got the workout out of the way. Yeah. Um, and then usually I'm uh, running over to practice Where at the, the practice, practice facility, Playa Vista. So it's not quite El Segundo where the Lakers practice, but it's on the west side. True. So it takes me. It's like 20 minutes. It's great. Not, it's easy. You're there. When does practice start? Um, well, they'll open the doors. They open it media availability. Usually, talk to a coach and maybe two players. And, and it's just one on one. You and Doc. You or like no, a scrum. No, he does scrum. Got it. Scrum, but you can request one on one here and there if you're needing to get something that you want to be a little bit do private the, about. Do the doc? Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, do the docs? <laughs> does Doc <laughs> know who you are at this point? Yeah. By name. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I don't know what the relationship is oh, like. Oh, no. He heckled me. Can, you know, I was with the Lakers network for four years. Yeah. And my first <laughs> t- first time I show up with the Clippers last year, he's like, oh, really? You're going to come on this side now? And I'm like, oh, great. But that, that, that's Doc. He's he's great like that. Ever call him Glenn? Well, the funny, the funny you mentioned that because when I worked for the Sixers, they said, and, and Doc at that time was in Boston. That's right. And they said, when we play the Celtics... You cannot call Doc Rivers Doc. We're going to fine you if you call him Doc. You have to call him Glenn. I'm like, what? And I'm thinking, like, are they serious? Like, I can't afford to pay any fines. How much of a fine is this? But they said there's only one Doc, and it's Dr. J. Wow. That's a great story. Glenn Glenn Rivers. But now I call him Doc. (laughs) Because he's also your doctor. Okay, so you're getting some one-on-one time or scrum time in with Glenn uh, you're getting some <laughs> with the other Clippers players, and uh-huh. this is you digging into maybe you want to talk to Gortat about what, what he feels about yeah, you know, you just, coming off the bench. Yeah. Is he going to be polite and PC and say, you know, I'm just here to do my part, whatever the coaches want? Or is there like a little interesting quote that you can pull of like him being bitter and then 
you can bring that up in some interesting way during the broadcast. Yeah, I suppose you could. But I got to tell you, in, in this particular instance, um, Gortat was not pleased with the decision. Yeah. But he's also, he's not upset about it. And I saw him in the game last night uh, going up to Boban and talking to him in some of the early timeouts and like, you know, patting him on the butt and stuff. So I, th- I thought, you know what? That's a good teammate right there. Yeah. And then, yeah. so this practice is happening 10 a.m., 11 a.m.? Yeah. Like Ish? T- yeah. And then how long does it last? It can't be that long because well, they We're a game only in night. there for like 45 minutes. Okay. And then they do their own thing. They close the doors and they do their own thing. It's got to be more of a shoot around, mm. stretch them out rather than like, you know, a lot of cardio or muscle building because you don't want these players sore at night. I would imagine. <laughs> I would imagine as well. <laughs> uh, so you, where do you go after the practice when they're practicing? Yeah, I go home and, you know. Oh, you can go back. You don't have to go to an office and start like. No, no. That's cool. Yeah. So you go home for lunch. I go home for lunch. I uh, get my outfit ready. I do some reading. I do some prep. Um, you look at, you know, the opponent and some storylines there that might, might present themselves. So who was it last Walk night? Walk the dog. Who they beat? Oh my God! Who they beat last night? The uh, oh, Jimmy Butler. That's right. The Timberwolves. The, the floundering wolves. He, Jimmy played last night. He decided to play. That's that story is <laughs> fucking absurd. See, right? it is absurd. And so that was something that they asked Doc about because he has a relationship with Tom Thibodeau. And, that's right, old know, assistant. Right with the uh, with the Celtics, the yeah. championship year. That's right. Um, yeah, like how? Do, what do you do in this situation? And and I think that more often than not, these types of Situations are happening, but they stay behind closed doors. Yeah. But this is so public. So public. It is such a debacle. Such it's a black cloud. So bad for everybody. Yes. Yeah. It's except for the one person, I guess, making the decision, which is like the owner, Thibodeau, or like someone is keeping him on the team, even though he's acting very petulant. You would think they would just trade him for as many pennies as they can get on the dollar. You Yeah, you would think. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's good for anybody, to be honest. I, yeah. I don't think it's a good look for... For Jimmy Butler, I think it no. puts the coach in a bad situation. And uh, Doc had said this last night. Like as a coach, you know you're more you you have to be concerned about the well being of the team and yeah. winning games and focusing on the season. But That's you also right. have to have these individual relationships with your players. And I mean, how how do you handle that? I don't know. But well, the, with Laker- the trade deadline is. Early February. I think yeah. it's like right before the All-Star break. I can't imagine it drags out that then, far, right? I mean, they're already like losing games. I, hope I don't know. Lose. Did you think Le'Veon Bell would not be playing in Pittsburgh? <laughs> well, that's at least a holdout. He's not playing. <laughs> that's true. The fact that he's like acting like this and then also getting playing time and yelling at his teammate. I mean, it's insane. It's it's unprecedented, <laughs> I think. I feel. I've never seen anything like it. Anyway, so you're uh, um, you're working at the game. You get to the game when? If tip-off is 7.30. Uh, I get to the game at 4.30. Wow, three hours before tip-off. Yeah, 4, 4.30. Um, I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Classic. <laughs> this is why I have you on buckets. I this I is do. the only podcast that gets that detail. So at four thirty, you're eating a PB and J crust, no PB&J. crust. Uh, it's uh, they're prepackaged. They don't have crust. You're making I don't, it. Or I don't. The team makes no, it. No, there are these like there's a refrigerator in the media dining room. You look forward that, to that. I, I don't go near media food at any arena. I got sick one time at Dodger Stadium. Too saran wrapped, too old, it's, under the heat lamp. You just lamps. never know. Yeah. You never know. But and the I don't PB&J. need to get. Tell me about PB&J the PBJ. PBJ is classic. Yeah. Crunchy or creamy, I don't care. No preference. Not a grape 
jelly person. More you want of like a reddish. Strawberry, yeah. raspberry, yeah. Give me a apricot red sometimes. Wow, an orange and brown, Sandy. Yeah. Yep. So, and you, do you know what you're getting before you're biting in, or it's just a it's Yeah, a I know. You know what you're bag. getting. Yeah, Got I think it. it's all strawberry there. So you're looking forward to that PB&J. It goes down. You're feeling great. It's like 5, 5.30. Still two hours I to might go gra- I might grab a piece of fruit <laughs> as well. Holy shit. <laughs> and is this dinner? Is this just a pre-dinner this, snack? No, this is my dinner. And then usually like a... a third quarter I might go and they have peanuts this is like the diet of I'm just telling you guys it's, a lot of legumes it's, it's like, it's <laughs> sandwich and fruit at 530 and you're calling it I mean you're up 12 hours before that I know it's 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 really awful because then I get home you know like 11 o'clock at night and I'm kind of hungry but you don't want to eat that late yeah so, so you um, have a lasagna and you just yeah, pass just, the fuck yeah. out I order pizza are you how drained are you at the end of the game day are you like that was fun or are you like oh my brain hurts this is a long day I feel no, like I've been it's like it's hours. a listen I, it's like the best job in the world I'm in an arena with thousands and thousands of people with this positive energy and this great energy like yeah. I, I definitely it's a bummer after a loss yep you know, I hate injuries, but last night was a win. It felt pretty good. And you didn't get hurt. And I didn't get hurt. You, tw- I mean, sure, you tweaked an ACL, but that's not going to keep you up for that <laughs> I very did, long. I did tear my ACL once. Really? When I was with the Sixers. Oh, my God. What'd they have you do? Layup lines or something? No. It was Where the, are you cutting it was back the and NBA All-Star break. And I, was, I went on a ski trip. Are you a skier? Uh, I am an intermediate to poor skier. Mm, uh, so I know how I to am ski. as well. Yeah. It's hard to tear your ACL when you're strapped into a boot so tight. But I guess if your ski gets caught in a patch, you're twisting that leg like around. Like if some inexperienced snowboarder fell off the lift and uh, then when you got off, you couldn't get around her. <laughs> skiers just hate them. Uh, okay, tell me about the game. The so, game starts. So, it's so tip-off. What are you doing? I'm. Well, we do a pregame show. That okay. is half an hour, and we have some, you know, something prepared for that. We'll talk about storylines. Are you at the desk? Or are you are you standing sideline already? I'm usually on the sideline. Classic. Yeah, because they have the hosts at the desk. And then that's it. And then tip-off happens, and you're just like, you are locked in. You need to be locked in. Are you watching the game as intently I'm as a I'm watching the game. I have a, a TV, like a broadcast monitor in front of me. Yeah, where are you so watching the game? They're like a media row. Cool. So you you have like a media section standing Media section room where like the PR guy's nearby, so you can ask, you know, information if you need it. Good seats? Pretty good seats. Solid. Behind the basket. Yeah. It's different in every arena. If you wanted tickets to the game, like can you <clears throat> can you get tickets to a game? I I I suppose if I asked, but it's not. They don't just offer them up. Got it. I had a a, a girl that I lived with freshman year in the college dorms. Yeah. Send me a DM on Instagram yesterday yeah. and said, "Listen." I just looked up Lakers tickets, and they're really expensive now that LeBron is here. If you ever get tickets, I would be so happy to take them off your hands. And I thought to myself, like, I literally haven't spoken to you since freshman year in the college (laughs) dorms. But sure, if Laker tickets fall into my lap, I'll be sure to get them right over to you. No, people ask that all the time for tickets, and I always feel like a jerk. It's like, it it just isn't like that. There's not like I don't even know if it ever was like that, but it's just not, especially nowadays with... I bet in 1994, when the Clippers were like 11 and 70, there was just a bucket of tickets that anybody who worked for the Clippers can grab and give to like, give out to kids for like Halloween. I mean, they were just probably easy to give away. Maybe. Now, but maybe I still not so think much. they just want like it's all about making money, right? Yeah, it's like you want a ticket, pay the man. Pay the man. Bomber's got to get his cash back. <laughs> uh, so you're watching the game. You're doing, you know, keeping your eyes on certain storylines that you're interested in. How's Gortat and Boban interacting with one another? It's you're watching literally everything. And you're then, watching 
when does the reporting come into place? When do they throw to you? And Whenever you it say? makes sense. Okay. Whenever it makes sense. I mean, so, it, how do you not, how do you get an alert for that? So who's calling no, that's the what game? I'm saying, and who's Amir, you have to, to you? be you have to be alert the entire time. So they might be like, and how much warning do you get? I want to know everything. Tell okay, me what all happens. right, all right. I feel like this is really boring. By the way, no, no, no. This it's is going to be your lowest rated podcast <laughs> no, ever. No, no. Nobody wants to hear about this. This shit. is a basketball <laughs> podcast. So it is boring to 99 percent of Americans, but the one percent that listen to buckets are on the edge of their seats, <laughs> wondering how a sideline reporter gets the nudge to say, okay, they're going to throw to you and ask you about this or whatever. Right. How so, does that work? For example, last Ralph night, Lawler. Ralph Love Legend. Lawler. 40 years behind the mic for the Clippers. Lawler's Law. Even a Lakers. This is fan his like last me. season, you know. I know. I'm sad to see him go. Yeah. Um, okay. So Lawler, Ralph Lawler. So him and uh, Don McLean were doing the broadcast last night, and they started to get into a conversation about the rookie out of Kentucky, Shea Gilgis Alexander. SGA. SGA. We are gotta... you listening to them in a headphone, or you don't know what they're saying? I'm listening to in, in an earpiece. The whole game. I'm listening to the whole game. Cool. I've got. I'm watching the game. I've got the monitor of the the TV monitor in front of me, and then my golden possession is yeah. the stats monitor. <gasps> I love the stats monitor. I'll it's take a, a stats monitor. I it, love stats. It's the stats monitor. It's updating as the game is going on. Box score live fantasy basketball. Fantastic. Times twelve. Yes. Okay. It's the best. So anyway, um, they were having a discussion about Shea and Doc had said before the game he was. T- telling about like he doesn't like to compare players but Shea reminds him of Rondo when Rondo was a rookie Got it. and the way that he's calling out plays during practice and he's so cerebral high he's basketball really IQ super high basketball IQ and he's just picking up uh, the nuances of the NBA super quickly so they started to talk about Shea I get on my mic I say to the producer hey I want to add on about Shea so Ooh. he tells Ralph, so you say, get it to Jamie. Tap me in. Tap me in when I feel like I have something to contribute. Cool. So I say, and then Ralph says, oh, let's bring in Jamie Maggio with more. And then I go into my little spiel about Shay. So how, and is it just audio only or are they doing a, a camera? In on that you? case, it's audio only. There are, I mean, nowadays when you watch a game, and, and you might not even realize it because, it, you know, if you're a, a casual fan, wouldn't realize it. There are so many sponsored elements. Everything is sponsored yeah. now. So that really takes away from, like, the natural flow of the game. But I do something every game called the, uh, what is it called? Around <laughs> the NBA, brought to you by American Airlines. <laughs> and it's a sponsored element, and it's basically a highlight of something else that's happening in the NBA. Derek Got Rose's it. 50 points. Devin Got Booker uh, hit the game winner last yep. night or two nights ago. Oh, yeah. So... Those are things that are pre-planned, pre-packaged. We know that we're going to do it. We have a graphic built. We know we have to get it into the game at some point. Usually coming out of a commercial break is the easiest. Yeah, just add a commercial to that commercial. But those other things have to be sort of off the cuff and just usually it's like a voiceover. So how long between, all right, I got something to add to Ralph Lawler saying, all right, let's go to Jamie. Usually who pretty said, quickly. Wow. It's yeah, like Ralph is good in. like that. Not And everybody's different. Like everybody has a different workflow. Yeah. Um, Ralph is pretty good at just incorporating you right away. Some other people will want to wait until the play's over or a dead ball or something. And, and and at that point, maybe the story's over with and doesn't make sense to get in anymore. Is there any stage fright of like, all right, let's go to Jamie. And you're like, um, shit, what was I going to say? <laughs> Fuck, Shay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, never I mind. Actually, Back to I, you, Ralph. I talk like a sailor in my in my personal life, so I'm always afraid that I'm going to drop an f bomb on the air. <laughs> I mean, this fucking guy right here, he's dropping oh my dimes. God. Uh, yeah, are you nervous when you're talking like that on the on the telecast? No, you're used to it. It just feels like you're talking yeah, to a buddy. At this point, and again, no voice. You're not doing a voice. No, I'm not doing a voice. Got but it. you know, and 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 everyone screws up, right? You always. I'm my own worst critic. Yeah. I, I've make mistakes. 
La- so last night the stats monitor. Uh oh. Was not it kept getting stuck, <gasps> which I've never seen this happen before at Staples Center, but it kept getting stuck. So end of the game, but but they then they fixed it and it seemed like it was good for a while. I'm doing an interview with Montrez Harrell, and love La- Montrez. Instant energy off the bench. Instant energy. And I go to his Instagram, and it looks like a completely different human. I can't follow what's going on in Montrez's <laughs> off-court life. He's a shoe guy. Are you a sneakerhead? <laughs> I mean, I think I am, and then I look at Montrez's Instagram, and it's just, like, otherworldly. But anyway, what did Montrez do on the stats? Well, he was 6 of 7, but when I looked at the stats monitor, it had frozen on 5 of 5. So I did my post-game interview with him, and I, I mentioned to him, you know, perfect 5 of 5 from the field. But the stat, the, the area that you really bring it, is you know isn't measured up with a stat and the that's your energy off the bench. Nice. And then I was like, fuck, so exactly. mad at myself because I said five of five and he was six of seven. But that was just you. That's not that's not on you. Don't it you is the on messenger. me. No, it is on me. I mean, it it is on me. And then I'm like pissed at myself everything. and I'm doing like you know karate kicking in my sheets going to sleep at night because I'm so upset. Wow. Yeah. So, and then you got to wake up soon for the yoga thing. Then you got to wake up for <laughs> yoga. I did yoga this morning. It was great. So what's the what's the least glamorous part of being part of like such a cool job where like everyone's like, oh, that's so lucky you get to fly with the team. You get to do this. And you're like, yeah, not really because I'm actually uh, – is, is it like – landing on a second night of a back-to-back at 3 a.m. and like sh- Milwaukee and it's negative two and you have to take an that Uber. Sounds, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, that's part of it, right? Well, it's, you know, I don't know. It's, I don't, it's, I feel very, very, very fortunate to have a job that I love, yeah. working, covering a sport that I love. I get to live in a city that I love. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not, very, very rarely am I sitting there going like, oh man, this part of it sucks. Got it. But yeah, I mean, sometimes the late nights and the travel can be a bummer, but you know, you're flying on a charter and you're staying at a Ritz Carlton. It's right. not that bad, right? Like these are first world problems. <laughs> Plus you got health insurance, right, Jamie? <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the Clippers. Yeah. Okay. Your Clippers sideline reporter. Uh, how are they doing so well? I, I would have bet heavily on their under I think it was like 39 wins and they are well above 500 at this point that's uh that's that's a good question I mean I think that I think they're still trying to to? they're playing hard is that it isn't every NBA team no no not every NBA team is playing hard they're playing hard I think that they're still trying to figure out who they are yeah and what are they, six and four yeah I'm just pulling it up right now yeah uh yes that's correct six and four yeah that's solid yeah, they, it's solid, they, but it's ten, you're 10 games into the season. I know, but it's still like at 10 games in, you get a flavor of the team. They're not one and nine, you know? And, They're not one and nine. And they don't have a quote-unquote superstar. This looks like a team that's, well, that's assembled to bring that's, in That's somebody. why yeah. you're saying the thirty nine under 39 wins. I mean, that's why. It's because they don't have a superstar. Yeah. But they have they're, what they're doing is creating a nice little cushion to catch one. They're like, "Look, we have all these great role players. We got the cap space. We have L.A. We have uh, Jamie on the sidelines. I believe they'll have room for two, two max slots. Yeah. Holy mackerel! So we, have can, Jamie, we have Jamie on the sidelines. Yeah. That's a big selling point. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're talking to KD, he, he wants Jamie on the sidelines. I'm sure. Uh, and how much of that is uh, permeating throughout the season is like. You know, we got two max slots. Yeah, this team is great, but imagine if, I don't know, Kawhi Leonard. Like, you always just hear the rumblings of, if you want to come to L.A., it's either the Lakers or the Clippers. This camp is saying Lakers. This camp is saying Clippers. But So if someone, if a free agent is looking to come to L.A., which, hey, you and I live here. We know it's it's an awesome city to live in. We're free agents and we live here. The Clippers and the Lakers have very different... Offerings. Exactly. Okay. So... 
for someone, I mean, really and truly, for someone like Kawhi, yep. who maybe doesn't want that glaring spotlight in his face yeah. every single day. The fishbowl, they call it. Right. The, the Clippers might be a better option for him. You can still be in L.A., but it's, you know, there's not, it's not every game is like game seven. Right. And the, the Clippers have an opportunity, too, for someone to come in and to make it their own. You yeah, know, create they, they, history instead create of just history. living in the shadows of Giants. Totally. And not only the shadow of previous Giants, but like LeBron's on the team. It's going to be his team. Right. Who wants to be the second banana to LeBron? Kawhi seems like You'd a be kinda... the second banana to LeBron <laughs> if you could. <laughs> I would be any fruit to LeBron. He can, he can turn me into whatever he wants. I just want to be around him. Uh, but somebody like Kawhi probably wants to be the LeBron. He doesn't want to play second fiddle. He doesn't want to be Robin in the same way that D. Wade did or Kyrie did. Even Kyrie got sick of it. That's mm-hmm. why he requested a trade. Mm-hmm. So the Clippers, are they, are you hearing rumblings, murmurs? Are they worried about um, what's going on this offseason? Or is it just all about how do we beat Portland on Thursday? No, they're, they're obviously looking big picture and long term for sure. Yeah. Um, when we're talking about this iteration of the Clippers, now that you're around these guys, what strikes you as... Um, something that we wouldn't necessarily know by watching on TV. Like, we see Boban play. What is he like in real life? We see Pat Beverly play. What is he like in real life? Are they like their on-court personas? <laughs> Pat, is, Pat is kind of... Pat is exactly who you see. So loud. He's loud. Brash. He's got a, he's got a, a playful personality some days, and, you know, some days you just so... You don't want to get in his way. Just yeah. let him be. A chip on his shoulder. Yeah, but he's, you know, he is who he is, and he's not trying to be somebody else. And, um, you know, Boban, it's funny, because I feel like people look at Boban as this, like, novelty. Yeah. You know, and then when he he gets in and he does something good, it's like, woo, Boban, he just scored. But but the guy's pretty freaking talented. (laughs) His per 36 numbers are absurd. He just can't play 36 at his size, it seems. Right. Um but what's but yeah? What's somebody like Boban, who's a seven foot three inch giant of a man who can famously dunk without necessarily having to leave the floor? Mm-hmm. You see him in practice. Is he's it? just you know he's low key, but he's he's got like a playful side, and he has that you know the Bobby and Toby show. Yeah, him and Tobias um, Harris. Yeah, so they were homies with the Pistons when they came over in that Blake Griffin trade. Yeah, um, and he he's just fun loving and he's super kind and you know he's just they're they're all all of them really are. Just a good, nice group of guys. Yeah. And they all, I think, really and truly, like, one of the things that was working for them this season is they all like each other. That helps. The yeah. Team chemistry I mean, you is could definitely, when I, when I worked in baseball, you had, you know, you had the black guys, the Latin guys, the white guys. There was sort of like... It's a UN. A little bit. Like, they are teammates and they get along, but they don't all intermix socially. I but guess because baseball teams are out. so big. Baseball true, teams yeah, are so true. big, there's clicks. Yeah. With a basketball team, it's like, you 12, you guys better get along. <laughs> right. And That's they do. True. You're saying they do. They do. They genuinely do. And even though it's like, and the I, age I'm not disparity. like towing the company line right there. Like, no. they genuinely get along. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what's a funny story or anecdote from the season that not, you couldn't necessarily talk about on television? I want an insight. I want a special dig. Something like the peanut butter and jelly sandwich of <laughs> Clipper stories. This, I can give you something from last year. This, okay, great. This was last season. Yeah. I was uh, trying to talk to Pat Beverly about something, but I can't remember what it was. And I had written his name down at the top of my notepad. 
and I I wrote Beverly B E V E R L Y, yeah. but it's L E Y, of course. So I go over and I'm like, "Hey Pat, can I ask you a quick couple <laughs> questions?" He's like, "Yeah, sure, no problem." And he looks down and he sees his <laughs> name misspelled on my notepad, and uh-huh. he's like, "Oh no, uh uh-uh, uh, no." And I'm like, "What?" He's like, "You don't even know how to spell my name." And I was like, well, it, 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 "I I just scribbled it down." <laughs> Shit. So he goes, "No, I'm not talking to you for a month." A I'm month. Like, I go, "Come on!" And he he goes into the training room. So I, I wait for him to come back out, and I had rewritten it, and I put, like, hearts and stars and smiley faces and balloons, nice. and I wrote yeah. it properly, and he goes, no, not talking to you for a month. Uh, still? And that was it. Didn't get you out of the doghouse. <laughs> you know, he ended up getting hurt. <laughs> yeah, you're like, now I can spell your name in however I want. Yeah, but that's, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, Pat is Pat. Oh, when a player is rehabbing like that, when they're hurt, do you not see them for, like, six months at a time? Or are they still around the team? Um, in that case, Pat... Spent a lot of time in his home state of Texas. They were like rehabbing separately. He he was because that's where his doctors were and he was, you know, and it was a lengthy amount of time. But then yeah. he came back towards the end of the season um, and started showing up to games. But when we every time we played in Texas, whether it was Dallas, um, Houston or San Antonio, He'd Pat come. would come, sit on the bench. He'd that's rally fun. up the guys. Oh, Christmas time, he bought them all gifts. Um, so he was still, and he, that was his first year with the team. So he was still trying to be present even right. though he was out with the injury here's a question since you're close to the nba and then i'll get you out of here remember when kyrie irving didn't show up to game seven of the Cavs celtics series last year it was the eastern conference finals was game seven and kyrie wasn't on the bench because he was hurt mm. and they say he was like he got some sort of deviated septum surgery is that weird to have one of the captains not even on the bench for game seven like watching the team helping them out rooting for the team i think it's weird Right? Yeah. Isn't that bizarre? I, like, I think it's really weird. I'm, and I, I mean, even when a guy is hurt, I mean, listen, they they need to be doing things outside of team practices. They have doctor's appointments sure. and rehab and all that stuff. Understandable. But I think for for something like a game where yeah. it's so visible, optically, it's not a good look to not be there. Yeah. And yeah. he's such a good Why are you teammate? going there? What made that? What made because you when you're saying like Patrick Beverly was there even for the Texas, like games in Texas, even though he was not on the bench every game, like mm-hmm. when the Clippers were in town. Mm-hmm. This was When they in, were in the state of yes, Texas, he when, showed up. When they were in Boston, Kyrie's not there because he's getting a nose job, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's just such a bizarre thing. It was like Boogie Cousins last year wasn't around for the Pelicans yeah, in the first round. That's right. And now he's on the he's on the Warriors bench like their number one cheerleader. I feel like we him. talk too much about me. I want to talk more about basketball. <laughs> this is like I mean, I don't care about basketball. <laughs> I want to know about the minutiae of the stuff that like I mean, not a lot of podcasts dig deep into what makes a sideline reporter a sideline reporter and then once you're there, what it means and how it happens. I just I think people are curious as to how you do such a good job at what you do. So ah. I'm glad you were able to come on the show to discuss that with us. Um, is there anything that you wanted to touch upon that we didn't get to yet? Do you want to make some prognostications? Do you want to make some bets? Do you want to make some <laughs> predictions? Uh, anything about the current NBA shock you? Are you a basketball fan? Do you watch other teams or do you have to be laser focused on the Clippers? I mean, I watch when I have time. I yeah. mean, I'm... I'm it, the schedule's pretty busy, but I, I watch. I mean, if I have a night off at home, I'm usually watching a game. Are you um, hyper aware about like sideline reporters of like national? Is that like a dream job doing like national um, games like NBA and ABC? Is that is that the gold standard for sideline reporting? Um, yeah, I think so. But I, like you know, I get to do that during the playoffs, which covering playoff anything is just so much more intense intense and exhilarating because the game is obviously so much more important than yeah. you know game 10 of the regular season that's right but um but yeah i mean that i feel 
I feel like I'm in a good spot and I'm glad I get to do what I do. Um, but, but you like you wanted uh, would you want bold predictions? Yeah. I don't know. Do the Clippers make the playoffs? I don't know if the Lakers will. Who? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just trying to get How could a, they miss? just trying to get a rise out of you. <laughs> well, they, I mean, I thought I actually thought we would talk more Lakers because I know that's your squad. Yeah, but I didn't want to like bring you here and just talk about the. I had a Laker fan, fan on last week. We already commiserated, held each other. Um, we're already cautiously optimistic. I don't know if the Lakers make the playoffs either, but I don't think that that's such a bad thing. Is Luke a problem? I don't think Luke is a problem. Thank you for asking. I think that we are four and six. We are outplaying what we should be doing. We're averaging 119 points per game. The The issue is effort. It's defense. And if you want to fire the coach to fire up the team, that just doesn't feel correct to me right I agree now. with you. Yeah. Luke seems like a smart guy with a good head on his shoulders. It all comes down to how well he gets along with LeBron. And when you're on the Lakers, everybody scrutinizes a sideline uh, homemade video of him yelling at Luke or vice versa and picks that apart. But I, I hope that we keep Luke through this season and then through the next uh, free agency period because that's when the lake this is this is this the is beta like a, version yeah, right. this is the prequel to right. the team that we're going to field for the next three years hopefully we'll take somebody from Golden State weakening them and strengthening our resolve and if not then hopefully we get another superstar to join with and LeBron. who would you want KD or Clay? Uh, if I had to choose just between those two not Anthony Davis oh you I was you were saying from the Warriors weaken the Warriors and strengthen yeah. the Lakers so uh I would be so happy with either. KD, I think, is just a supernatural, prototypical, otherworldly alien man. So mm-hmm. I would have to pick KD. But if like LeBron and Clay playing together, ooh, that's exciting. And then, of course, Anthony Davis. Of course, you need the. Wouldn't I mean, this is him, the Lakers. We really need three above? superstars. Would you put him above Clay and yeah, yeah, KD? Yeah, yeah. I, just because of his age and like that's the next ten years of Lakers. Yeah. Uh, KD's what twenty nine right now. By the time he joins us, he'll be thirty. If we can get Anthony Davis in his prime, that's you know next level. That's like the that's the Kobe and Shaq that we were trying to build towards. Game over. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all these guys can just go to the Clippers instead. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, I guess, two max slots there. I thought the Lakers had the advantage there. The West is crazy. I'm looking at, like, well, the, the Lakers playoffs. have LeBron. Oh, that's right. I he, forgot so about that, that. There's the advantage. Uh, just looking at the West, like, if the playoffs started today, the, the Rockets, the Jazz, the Lakers, the Pelicans, all on the outside looking in. It's too early to say. And then that's why the whole thing with Magic and this discussion with Luke is so out of blown out of proportion. It's 10 games into the season. Yeah, let's see where we are at the All-Star break. Relax. Like, we can rattle off six, seven wins in a row, and that this will all go away. Mm-hmm. I mean, we knew this was coming, mm-hmm. and it makes sense that it's here because it is the Lakers, and it is LeBron, and it is Luke, and it is Magic. So it's to be expected, I should say. Uh, Jamie, thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. We really so appreciate fun. your time. Thanks, Amir. Uh, anything you want to plug? Do you have an Instagram? Do you have a Twitter? Do you have a uh, television channel that you want us to watch? Uh, sure. Instagram, Jamie underscore Maggio. Nice. J-A-I-M-E, like Jaime. Uh, Jaime Maggio. I run into a lot of issues with that. And yeah. then Twitter is just Jamie Maggio. Great. So Jamie Maggio on Instagram and Twitter. Yes. And on Buckets. Thank you again so much. Thank you. if you're listening at home, we appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Bye. Great job. (laughs) That was a HeadGum Podcast.